Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Sheepdog Dad podcast. My name is Stuart Jackson, and I am the founder and host of the Sheepdog Dad. Visit thesheepdogdad.com to read articles, listen to podcasts such as this, and sign up for coaching geared towards men, young men, and boys who wish to become responsible stewards of themselves, their families, and society. Please join us on our journey to protect the flock. On this episode, we are joined by Alex Moore from Forged by Fire Coaching. And in this discussion, Alex and I discuss the nice guy syndrome, and we talk about the traits of a quote-unquote nice guy to help you identify if you are in this category and how to overcome these traits that on the surface may seem like they are the right thing to do, that you are getting ahead in life by portraying these traits, but in actuality, we dive into how they are negatively affecting your life, whether that be in relationships, work, etc., and how to overcome those traits and start being more assertive and really looking into how you can start asking in a direct but positive way for what you actually want out of life. Enjoy the episode. Alex, how are you doing, man? Hey, Stuart. How's it going? Good. Great to connect with you. Thanks so much for taking the time. No, absolutely. Glad to, glad to be here. Yeah, yeah I'm really looking forward to, uh, yeah, really looking forward to the conversation. Thanks again for coming on. I'm really looking forward to the conversation just on looking at your website and seeing what you uh, are coaching these men on the recovering nice guy. I think that is going to speak to so many men. I would self-admit, especially through high school, early college years of you want to be a nice guy, you don't want to be a threat, you want to, you know, do all the right things, and then you're always seeing it's not the nice guy that ends up with the girl or that gets ahead, and so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, and I guess we can just jump off right from there on kind of what is a nice guy, what does that entail, and how do you know you need to be a nice guy in, uh, in recovery? So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much the same as you, man. Like you, you kind of hear these things growing up um, that, you know, you got to be nice. You got to be a nice guy if you want to get girls. And um, it kind of comes down to it where, you know, there's, if there's a, a girl you like and you know, you go, oh, I need to be super nice. And, and then she, you end up getting what's known as friend zoned and mm. she ends up going, going for kind of like the bad boy guy. Um but it's more than just kind of into girls and dating and stuff. It goes, I realize now looking back that it, man, it stems back from so much more. So basically to answer your question, like a nice guy, um, one of the traits is that he has a lot of toxic shame, which means that he is not, doesn't think that he's good enough just being himself. Um, so it kind of stems back to childhood of when when the guy is a, a kid you know or a young child or a baby that he looks to others to get his needs met to survive you know it's all comes down to survival um and in our undeveloped child minds back then we think that oh if we're if we're not good then our our moms aren't gonna uh like us they're not gonna feed us and then we won't survive so um in our brains they like to follow kind of a similar path so brains they kind of I always, I always kind of um, think back to when I was a kid, friends and I played in the woods all the time and there's a certain path we always took and it, it eventually wore down all the weeds and stuff and to a path. And it's kind of similar to our brain where, you know, our brain wants to take that familiar path, whether it's good or bad. So it, those, those traits continue on through, you know, through growing up, through high school, through college, through our twenties, thirties, until we kind of, um, yeah, can kind of acknowledge and realize and become aware of them and are able to then kind of shift them. Um, it also comes down to lots of times a lack of a masculine father figure, um, whether the dad is kind of gone completely or um, I'm 40. So, you know, like I was, I grew up in the eighties and nineties and, um, you know, my dad was away working quite a lot. You know, he was, he was, he was home but he kind of worked opposite schedules than my brother and I going to school. So it was basically mm -hmm. my mom that was taking care of us um, most of the time. And so, yeah. Um, or, or it could be that the father was a nice guy himself. You know, it's a cycle that continues that, you know, only really has 
become brought to the surface, you know, of what being a nice guy is. So, um, yeah, that kind of, that kind of breaks down the, the, the start of the nice guy, what a nice guy is. There's so many traits that go into it that we could talk about, um, going into procrastination, um, yeah, sexual shame. Um, yeah. So just, just lots of different traits that go, um, along with it. And, you know, like we said, talking about high school, I was kind of a, a person that I didn't have one particular group that I was in. I kind of was a chameleon into all these different groups. So I was friends with the guys that play football. I played basketball and baseball and stuff. And, you know, so I was like, had those groups, but then I was kind of a class clown as well. So I was always trying to make people laugh. And I was friends with kind of the, the computer nerds and, you know, just different stuff like that. So yeah, that's one of the traits too, is you don't, you're always trying to fit in and you're trying to, um, yeah, get people to like you, but you're not actually kind of being authentically yourself the whole time. I can definitely relate to that. Just meaning just in the sense of, I'm a big proponent on self-reflection of really Mm -hmm. self-evaluating why are you doing what you're doing? Is it a positive, uh, is it a positive action or negative action that's resulting, you know, in, um, in something that is, you know, not helping you overall. And with the nice guy, it's like what you said, it doesn't even, that doesn't just mean for girls, women, of course, that's what we typically hear it, but that carries over into everything with your friendships and, your job especially if you get a nice guy who has an assertive boss even to the point of a boss who's capable of bullying it really is uh where like what you said you have to be aware of these patterns and like oh if you don't want to get sucked into that that cycle you got to be willing to put in the psychological work to to break that cycle and that's that's got to be hard i find it hard now and i have a very good relationship with my current boss of of pushing back. And so have you seen that in your coaching where, you know, these men are having to do some real deep dives into, uh, into who they are and, and changing themselves at, at their core level. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And, and um, kind of similar, like we said, stems back to, you know, a lack of masculinity. Well, from then they're around men are these men are around women their whole life you know going through Mm -hmm. elementary school primary school mainly women teachers um they're around the women in their life and so they grow up connecting with women and getting validation from women and they have a lack lack of masculine energy um with them and kind of an overflowing of the feminine energy but then stemming going into workplaces then they kind of have a, a um a lack of boundaries so they allow people in uh, relationships, kind of intimate relationships, work relationships, bosses, let them walk all over them without saying, Hey, look, no, I'm not going to do that. Or no, I'm not going to work 12 hours today without getting paid for the extra overtime. And, and going back to some of my clients just recently, um, really pretty much what you said, like a boss that was having them stay late, you know, they're not getting paid extra. And so we, what we worked on was what we've been working on was kind of stepping up and becoming more of a leader at work. And, you know, rather than coming to the boss with a problem, coming with a solution and yeah, it's worked out really well for him. I've, I've seen like some huge changes just in the, and recently with, with when clients start doing that, you know, just putting their foot down and not being like, you know, um, what's the, I don't know the word, I can't think of the word at the moment, but you know, they're not like being rude about it or they're not doing disrespectful they're just kind of setting the boundaries like hey look no i can't actually do that i need to get going today at our at my normal time to leave i got stuff to get the family mm-hmm. whatever whatever it may be you know what i'm saying so yeah but no it, it stems you know it goes it overflows into all areas of the nice guys lives work relationships friendships um yeah and for me personally like i've been a teacher for 18 years so I've been a primary school teacher for 18 years, elementary school in the US, uh, the UK, now in New Zealand. And it's a majority of like, like most places, teaching is a, a, a female dominated workplace. And so, yeah, you see, you see it a lot with these kids who, you know, they might not have a positive role model at home, father figure, but then they go to school and it's very female orientated. So you kind of you kind of see it now, knowing what I know now, you're kind of thinking, oh man, this is, 
this is not going to be good for when this kid gets older, you know, and it's what, yeah. But I guess the good thing is that the nice guy syndrome and the work with nice guys is, is becoming, like I said before, come surface, people are aware of it now and um, yeah, kind of helping to nip it in the bud really. Yeah, it, uh, it's the classic uh, line from Fight Club. I think it was Tyler Durden said, a generation of men raised by women. And yep, yep. Uh, and it sounds like you and I have had a very, very similar background. I've been in education my entire career, been uh, for almost 15 years now, went from the school district to community college to the university level. And now, you know, it sounds like we've almost mirrored each other where we got to the point of like, okay, yeah, this is this is a steady paycheck, but there's something more for me out there, and I'm gonna explore what that is. Um, going back to you made uh, you made a point about uh, well, it, ex- it escapes me right now, but I do want to ask you about your own journey because I know you've talked mm-hmm. about how you went through your own uh, nice guy syndrome. You uh, definitely had an awakening at one point. You have you um, on your website. You talk about the professional help you get, meaning you got your own t- own coaches. You started really diving into the subject, and now you're helping pull guys out of that, take back their assertiveness. Just like what you said, that's what it, the point I was wanting to make. If you're going to put your foot down as a man to another man on just setting a healthy boundary, whether it's uh, employer employee or a colleague friend. It's just, you're just being assertive of just like, hey, whatever you just did, no, I'm not going to let it go past that line. And if you want to go past that line, we're going to have to have more conversations about that, you know? And so, so let's hear, I would really like to hear kind of a synopsis of your journey from that, uh, your own nice guy syndrome to your awakening and, and what it took to, to pull yourself out of that, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like I said, just, um, through, through growing up in high school and, um, yeah, all the things, even, even going into teaching, I kind of think back now, it's like, Oh, I wonder if it's because of the nice, nice, nice guy stuff that I went into teaching, you know, that kind of female dominated or, um, workplace, um, nice guys tend to think of other men as more competition. So I don't know if that was, a, I didn't really think that kind of, uh, consciously, but maybe it was a thing subconsciously that I had kind of always been in the back of my mind type of thing. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've, um, got married to my wife, Paula now about 10 years ago and through, I guess though, through the years, I guess, uh, it was probably about three or four years ago, things weren't really great in our relationship. You know, we had, um, some, uh, issues with, well, not issues, but we had a, a medical issue with, with one of our daughters, our twin daughter, Grace, when she was three. So she got diagnosed with a, a brain tumor, um, which was really rough for us. And kind of that, you know, we were, uh, got through it together, but also it was a really tough time. And I didn't really have that many guy friends here. I probably had one or one or two kind of male friends here in New Zealand. I'd struggled to, to make friends and um, that made it really tough. I didn't really have anybody to share with. So I was always relying on my wife for those needs, you know, to fill my bucket, which is, um, you know, it's not on her to be able to, to fill all my needs um, all the time. And so, yeah, I think I was searching a forum and just got recommended No More Mr. Nice Guy uh, by Dr. Robert Glover, the book. And I remember downloading the audible, audible copy and I listened to it and just was blown away of how familiar it sounded to my own story. You know, it's almost like Dr. Glover had, you know, written the book about me. Um, and now actually I hear that from so many guys. And I think like, like you said, like yours and my story, probably pretty similar. And I think lots of guys out there, you'll realize that when, if you talk to them are pretty similar as well. Um, I think ours, especially because we're in education, you know, and, um, so yeah, so anyway, so I read the book and I remember listen, we were I was going on a out to dinner with my wife and it was about 45 minutes away. And I was telling her, I was like, hey, look, I found this book. Um, and we had discussed some of the things, some of the kind of behaviors I was having or showing that that needed addressing, like being too needy and stuff like that. So I said, Hey, look, I listened to this book and man, it's it's really 
really amazing. It's blown me away. And she, uh, so we listened to it a bit together in the car and she was same thing, blown away by how accurate it was. There's a few little things. Like, I don't really feel like I have the sexual shame that, that some nice guys have, or a lot of nice guys are, um, really dishonest. And yeah, I don't feel that kind of was my situation as well. So there's not every, every single symptom that everybody takes a box to. Um, but yeah, but a majority of the stuff in the, that, that Dr. Glover was talking about was, um, was pretty accurate. So yeah, I just kind of dived into it a bit. And in the book, he has activities to do to kind of break free from the nice guy syndrome. Um, and if anybody reads the book, I'm sure probably three quarters of the people just read it and don't actually do the activities, but yeah, reading the book, isn't gonna, isn't gonna help the nice guy recovery in itself. You actually have to do the work and it probably took me about two or three times of reading the book to finally start doing that. Um, instrumental probably in my change was um, joining a men's group. And so I, I joined a couple of men. Well, one started off and that was, that was pretty good as an online one. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, I found another men's group based on a book called Man Uncivilized by Traver Bowen. Um, and so Traver has also a men's group with that kind of based on those, those kind of principles in the book uh, called The Uncivilized Nation. And that one was probably the biggest change for me um, that really just kickstarted my journey, you know, from there. Um, in that same time frame, that's when I kind of was come more aware of the things that I needed to work on. And so I got help with, I got, I seek the help of a counselor, worked with a counselor and stuff. Um, probably some of the stuff that I was dealing with was PTSD from, I used to be a uh, work on an ambulance. So a lot of stuff mm -hmm. with that. And also probably the PTSD from uh, my daughter's kind of diagnosis and treatment and everything for that. And just mentioned, yeah, she is, she's doing great now. She's happy, healthy, turns nine in a couple of weeks. So her and her twin sister, but yeah, I didn't mention that before, but yeah, that was a, a stressful time for, you know, back when, back a few years ago. And um, yeah, it was actually funny because my wife and I saw here in New Zealand. So the native, native people or the indigenous people are Maoris, Maori. And um, there was a, a, an empathetic healer that we saw. And so what we went and saw this, this, this healer. And what he does is it's called Hono Hono healing. And he's an can basically feel the, the tensions and the, the um, pains in your body and can kind of associate them with your past and what's going on. And so he was able to tell me pretty accurately what was going on and it was, it blew me away. But one of the things he told me that kind of really hit home and hit the nail on the head was he was saying, you are a teacher, you teach like these kids because subconsciously you're trying to be that father figure in their life that they may or may not have, you know, they may not need that, but that's your subconscious telling you that you need to be there for these kids to be that father figure. He's like, but I really see your calling is working with men and young men, you know, in some type of coaching or mentoring type of um, fashion. So that was, that was pretty amazing. So it was just basically a really precise timeline after that of how things just worked out so it was literally right after that Traver and the uncivilized nation group um they announced they were having a coaching certification um a leadership school and coaching certification so i took that did that um and then one of the goals i really had since reading no more mr nice guy with dr glover was to take the um no more Mr. Nice Guy coaching certification. So I did that um, a little nearly a year ago now um, with Dr. Glover. So basically learning from him personally. Um, and still I have contact with him pretty much every day by text. And then we have meetings kind of every couple of weeks from another project we're working on. Um, I've helped him in coaching groups and things. Um, but yeah, that's, and then, yeah, that's kind of just brings us up where we are today. But yeah, like you said, we talked about Nice Guy Recovery just a tad. But yeah, number one, and that's the one thing that Dr. Glover says is uh, finding that safe person or safe group, support group um, to help you start the journey. And that was literally looking back now, that was the number one start of where my change started. Like I said, reading the books, not going to just help you. You actually have to do the work. And that was kind of um, 
that was instrumental for my for my change and nice guy recovery. And we say nice guy recovery because we never fully recover from the nice guy syndrome. You kind of go and you know you have highs and lows. Um, but but like we talked about, you're you're aware of the things that come up now, and you're able to kind of um, work on them and and suppress the nice guy tendencies and kind of work through them rather than just kind of having them always in your life. So you're never fully recovered, but yeah, always a process. I really appreciate your honesty on, on that journey. And uh, I think that's, that's impactful just for me to hear. So I can't imagine on, on how it's going to be sharing it with other, other men who are listening. That's great to hear about your, about your daughter. I'm so glad that she has recovered healthily, healthy and I'm a father myself. We've got a 20 month old boy at home and we've got a daughter who will be here within the next four weeks. And so we're oh, about wow. to start all over again with the, <laughs> the, the infant, uh, the, the infant time frame. but we are really excited about, about her coming here, about her, her being here and being a family of four. And so I, I do appreciate your honesty, Alex. I thought, I, I think that's great. And it goes back to what you said about how some nice guys are, they're not going to be honest, which means they're not being honest with themselves. They're not being honest in their relationships because they just want to blend in and be agreeable. And that has got to be a very, very um, stereotypical, I would imagine that is a stereotypical sign of a, a quote unquote nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to what you said about uh, other men as competition, I can relate to that very much, especially through junior high and high school, you start to become aware, I guess, more of your, your physical limitations in the sense of, you know, you're seeing people who are natural athletes that are, you know, that uh, are not, for lack of a better term, they're not ashamed of their body of what, you know, you're seeing in the media and movies and things like that. Uh, I was, you know, an overweight kid. So I was the opposite end of the spectrum was not athletic at all. And like what you said, that you start to see other men as competition and through the recovery and through the uh, of suppressing the nice guy tendencies. And, you know, that sound that sounds like a negative term, but not really because the what you're trying to implement are more positive tendencies. Mm -hmm. You know that having these nice guy tendencies has got you to where you are. You obviously want to change. So you got to start somewhere. How was it for you of engaging with other men on a competitive level? How, how was that mentally? I'm sure that was a mental hurdle, hurdle to get over. You, you're now, you're comparing yourself to other men. You know you're not at their baseline. Your baseline is lower. You got to work up to that. How just was that for you of someone who, who went through the training with Dr. Glover and, and you were just so aware of, of that that catch up that you had to do with other men. Yeah. So I guess um, talking about, like you said, being honest and working through honesty and stuff. And, you know, you find a lot of guys, it might not be a lot of nice guys will just be little white lies, you know, things that um, don't even really matter, but they tend to think that, Oh, if I, if I try to uh, over-exaggerate, then people will like me more and things like that. So yeah, there's lots of, when you talk about like the dishonesty and being honesty, it's like, they could be, it's not huge whoppers are telling, which I'm sure there sometimes are, but it's like, yeah, even just over-exaggerating stuff, like, and not being hundred percent honest about, about things. Um, um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, comparing myself to other guys, I think when I was, when I was like younger in high school, I was um, hit a growth spurt kind of between eighth grade and high school, freshman year, high school and shot up about a foot and I'm six, six, five now, but I was probably about, yeah, six, three, six, four going through that, but probably about weighed probably about 140, 150. So I was just like skin and bones. And, um, yeah, so you see, see these guys who are starting to, to fill out and hit the, hit the weights and things and they're getting muscles. And I'm just like in this kind of bean pole. Um, and, and I remember one, one particular kind of thing I remember is like I said I played basketball through high school and my dad we played this team and um it was always this one kid but he wore these like kind of rec specs glasses you remember those ones like the strap mm-hmm. glasses and um mm-hmm. we played this team and and 
I remember my dad and after the games would be like, Oh, you need to, you need to, uh, something about the kid always, he's always pushing you around under the basket and stuff. And you need to get stronger. And so you can push him around. And I remember thinking like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, but just, yeah, just, I, there's one thing I stick in my head. It's like, it wasn't any praise or anything. It was kind of that, Oh, you're not, you're not good enough. You're not big enough or strong enough. This kid's pushing you around and you're letting them type of thing. Um, but yeah, comparing yourself to others, um, as far as, you know, grades that they're getting or, you know, players on the team and, um, how they're doing with girls, you know, like they're, like we talked about, like you, you're trying to be different by being, Oh, I'm going to be the nice guy and not the jerk. And that's going to get me, get me the girls when that's kind of the opposite. You, all you get is friend zoned in that situation. Um, because you're not really, you're not stating your, what you want, you know, if like you like a girl and you're just nice to her and just being friendly, thinking that's what she's going to attract her, but we're not actually saying, Oh, Hey, you know, let's go on a date sometime. And, being assertive and 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 taking that route but um yeah just continuing on through through school and through growing up like you're always comparing yourself to others and what car they're driving oh that guy's got a better car than me he's you know he's better than me or he's got a a bigger house he's better than you know he makes more money that sort of thing so yeah it continues on with you all through life really that that comparison rather than rather than how it should be of you know guys lifting each other up, you know, not trying, they're not competition, you know, it's, I mean, obviously in, in organized competition, like sports and stuff there is, but yeah, in life, you want to, we, us men should be helping each other out and lifting each other up and supporting each other. Um, Cause that just makes you better and ends up coming around in the long run to, to, you know um, yeah, just, just the positive karma, I guess, in a lack of a better word. <laughs> that, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, that's that's the a great way to put it yeah uh, just put out there what you want to attract and and exactly it'll eventually come around for sure well um i know you've got your coaching service you've got forged by fire coaching we'll get that definitely linked up in show notes we'll get that on any social media posts and so with your forged by fire coaching service what are some of those tendencies that and of course just you don't need to give away your whole uh you know your whole coaching plan of course for free we want guys to come in and and work with you but which is a few things that you would try to suggest for a guy who is starting to realize they need to overcome that nice guy tendency i'm sure i'm sure assertiveness is that first one but man whenever you've done the same thing for so long that is just going against the grain it's going to feel mentally uncomfortable it might feel physically uncomfortable and so, yeah, just what are some of those things that, that you'll tell a guy who is knowing they need to make a change, but uh, they're just getting started? Yeah. Um, so the nice guy recovery. Um, so I, I do like, kind of, like I said, nice guy coaching, um, but also just, just coaching and goal setting and kind of working with guys and, you know, kickstarting businesses and stuff like that. Just um, I'll, I'll tell a little story about that in a second, but yeah, I'd say this, the number one thing, Number one thing is um, read the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert Glover, um, if you haven't yet. Um, the second step, like I mentioned before, which was huge for me, was to join a men's group um, or find another safe person like a coach or someone that's going to be non-judgmental um, and connecting with other men in different activities. Uh, put yourself out there, which can be, like you said, can be uncomfortable um, if you've not been used to doing that before. But um, I say find a safe person um, because a lot of the stuff I work with my coach and talk to my coach about, I still don't feel comfortable talking to my good friends about, which is probably not the greatest, but, um, and I probably could actually, actually one of my really good friends I do kind of have starting to share, but he's been a bit my best friend since growing up. And yeah, but sometimes we kind of have that tendency to um, just not 100% commit to someone that we're, you know, especially at the start of the start of the journey, you know, someone that yet yeah, you're friends with already or, or so something like that, you know what I mean? Um, but the third, third kind of part was work on being honest and, and transparent about everything, you know, um, one, one tip, uh, one strategy is, you know, if you tell, if you're, if you're talking to your wife and you feel like you're getting ready to tell a white lie or over exaggerate something and 
say, look, I was just going to tell a lie about this. This is what I was going to say. This is the truth. And this is why I was going to say it, you know, and it's kind of all about, yeah, releasing that shame of, um, of what you think you're not going to be able to get by lying. And so a lot of the times when they tell the truth and hundred percent truth that the, the wife is like, okay, that's why are you so worried about that? Or why would you, why would you think they need to embellish that? Because you know, you're fine. You're fine. You're, you're great. Um, so working on those things. Um, another, another thing, the next thing would be to start putting yourself first. So there's a thing called that Dr. Glover um, teaches called cooperative, cooperative reciprocal, reciprocal relationships. Sorry, it's a bit of a tongue tire, um, which essentially is filling your own bucket. So it's a practice of basically making a list of everybody and everything in your life that, that currently fills your bucket. So it'd be like your family, your friends, um, your sports team, if you're on one, something like that, your work colleagues. Um, uh, if you have any coaches or have any um, other professionals. So basically it's a, a relationship where you get something, but also the person gets something back. So it could be money. So like example, if you're paying for somebody's services. So for example, uh, a doctor, like you're getting cared by, you're getting care from them, but you're paying for it um, somewhere or the other you know, with, through insurance or whatnot, but yeah, so it's, so it's making a list of things that, that you have and then thinking, okay, which things other, what other people or other things are going to start filling my bucket? Is it going to be the gym going to the gym? You know, you're getting a workout, uh, but you're also, they're getting money for you going to the gym. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's still a relationship. It doesn't have to be a person. Um, a masseuse, you know, getting massages, um, uh, if you're having teeth problems, a dentist, or if you um, just trying to just trying to take things off of your plate to fill your own bucket. So financial advisors, accountants. Um, so there's so many that you can list out that you think, okay, I need this. And what it will do is kind of you're putting yourself first because you're kind of fulfilling those needs um, and not relying on just one person. So like I said before, like I was relying on my wife to fill all my buckets you know, mm. where it's not her job, she's got to fill hers, not just fill mine. And so it wasn't really a reciprocal relationship in that sense. So she was, I was trying to get a whole lot more than I was giving. So yeah, mm. that would be the first, those, those would be the first kind of three, four steps um, in the nice guy recovery. And then obviously, like you said, we work on, with my clients work on kind of um, masculine energy and kind of healing some of their masculine wombs um, and childhood wombs and things. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the start of it, really. Very good. And what was that story that you were talking about coming back to with kickstarting businesses? Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, like I said, I've been a teacher for eighteen years, and um, but I've always I've, I was actually, yeah, here it is, right in front of me. Actually, um, I read this book uh, about oh, 10, 12 years ago. So it's called "The Art of Nonconformity" by um, Chris Gillibo. Um, have you heard of him or heard of that book before? No, I have not. No. So, um, so he's written, oh, he's written probably 10, 10, eight to 10 other books now, but at the time, um, this, I think this is one of his first ones, but it's about just about going against the status quo and, you know, not relying on just one income to, mm-hmm. you know, all the time. And so he's kind of gone into, uh, side hustles and really dove into like helping with like start side hustles, um, I guess probably before maybe side hustle were even like a popular thing. So I think it's just the start of the whole side hustle kind of revolution, I guess. Um, but I always knew there's something, I didn't want to stay in teaching forever. I wanted to do other things um, to kind of fulfill my other, you know, creative needs. And so I just was really struggled to find out what that was. Um, when I was living in the UK, so about 10, 12 years ago, um, I worked with a jeweler. And so learned how to make jewelry. So I opened up my own jewelry business as a little side hustle, like an online, doing online sales and um, kind of custom made, made to order kind of custom things. And I've been doing that. Um, yeah. Like I said, for about 10 years now. And, um, but there still wasn't, you know, it wasn't enough to kind of get out of my full-time job of teaching. And so I was actually, since I've been here in New Zealand, so going on eight, nine years now, whenever we'd have barbecues or friends over and I'd be doing the cooking, I'd cook up kind of American style, um, 
yeah burgers like the smash burgers and things um other other kind of american kind of treats like deep fried oreos like do quite often um uh and i'm from st louis originally so there's a big thing there called toasted ravioli so basically it's kind of like breaded and deep fried ravioli and yeah so i'm doing things like that and everyone always said oh you need to start like a cafe or a restaurant or a food truck and it's always like oh yeah that'd be cool but you know never really touched took much um thought into it and then 2020 came and you know with covid the borders of new zealand shut and so with the jewelry i was doing a saturday market um and it was a huge it was a market right in like the tourist town here and called queenstown and you know beautiful around the lake and the mountains and things and so many like just international tourists galore and with the borders shut that basically cut that off completely so it went from you know doing probably an extra thousand bucks a week to nothing and so i was like okay well that's not gonna continue and um i think we had some friends over and i was making i was making philly cheesesteaks and same thing oh you, you need to do like a food truck or something and i was like oh yeah you know like something i'd thought about and i've been looking on looking at um for places for sale or food trucks for sale but it's never really you know that kind of gung-ho on i was never really was pulling the trigger i guess and um i listened to this uh i listened to this kind of webinar from this men's group they're based out of um austin and the the, the theme of the talk was commitment and it was not the commitment to like your family your wife what's the commitment to yourself what's the commitment to things that you're saying that you're going to do that you're not doing um and so i was thinking man yeah that really hits home because not long literally like probably a day or so after that my friend sent me a like a facebook um, sales post on this local food truck that was selling so i contacted a guy and asked him about it and the price was like dirt cheap like like probably half the price of all the other ones that i've looked at for a double the size truck you know just fully kitted out and i talked to my wife and we just said she was like what's the what's the worst that could happen and i was like well be not work and we could just sell it you know for probably more than we paid for it and she's like well let's do it then and yeah that was it that was um last last november and yeah so um that the, the food trucks called buffaloes buffaloes american food company and um yeah it's just every week's just been growing and growing got my wife working in there now i got another employee that works in there so there's three of us we work thursday friday saturday nights and yeah it's just going amazing like they have this local um, food festival called Eat Taste Central. So Central Otago is kind of the county or area that we live in. Um, so we were we were in the best burger competition, um, and so we got realized we found out yesterday that we're a finalist. So out of all the places, we're in the top. There's four finalists, so we're one of them um, for the best burger in the area. And also, I've been finalized for the best. Um, chef or cook and then my wife has been nom or not nominated but my, my wife has made the finals for best front of house so as like kind of the you know the the front of the front of the food truck kind of order taker um whatever you may call it so yeah mm. so it's been it's been amazing it's been an amazing journey and um going into next year so the school years here in new zealand run from like february till december um and so yeah so i've basically put in at my school that I've been teaching at for the last seven years uh, for a leave of absence next year. So like a sabbatical for a year just to go full time with uh, the food truck and see how it goes. And it kind of gives me that um, safety net of if I need to come back, they hold my job for me for a year. Yeah. So pretty excited about that. Stoked to, to finally, yeah, make that kind of dream a reality and, and do it full time rather than just a side hustle that's quickly overtaken my teaching kind of um income so yeah so mm -hmm. i think and we're only open three days so i plan next year then to open kind of five days and um more day times i don't want to take any more time away from the kids and things but yeah mm -hmm. those definitely make up make up for my teaching salary those extra days and yeah saving i you know three to four grand just in petrol and gas from driving to driving to the school I work at and um, about six hours a week and travel time as well. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of just, I, I share with the process of, 
I guess working through not as, as I can't, I'm not going to give the client, you know, a yes or no answer, but you kind of work through those barriers of what they are holding them back from starting a new business or, you know, doing that side hustle they want to do or, you know, so it's, yeah, it's like I said, talking through and answer, asking those questions and breaking down those barriers that, that I had when I was, took me so long to, to break down. Well, that's great. Well, if I ever make it to New Zealand, I know where I'm coming to get some American food. <laughs> that sounds there great. you go. There you go. That, and, and congratulations on finding that success. That's awesome. That's something that you just have done on a whim. It has your, the income you're able to produce has taken over your, your full-time job. And so that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, wish you the best of luck. Looking forward to seeing that journey over the next year. I'll be keeping up with it on, on Instagram for sure. Do you have an Instagram for the food truck? Yeah, I do. It's um, at buffaloes.nz. So yeah, buffaloes. Very good. All right. Yep. All right. Yeah, very good. Well, I'll make sure we'll link that up too, just so people in track, keep track of that. Well, uh, I think that's awesome. We'll have to schedule a follow-up in about a year to see if, there we uh, go. See if you got, got three more, you know, Buffalo food trucks and you already <laughs> see if you told the school that you're not coming back. So yeah, that's it. that sounds great. Sounds good, well, man. Yeah, well, how can the guy, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. I think that's a great story too of just like what you said of coaching is not about telling someone what the answer is. It's helping, it's asking the right questions to help them find the answer for themselves. And that is yep. going to be much more effective for sure. Well, where can the guys uh, get hooked up with you um, for your website and Instagram, Facebook, so they can reach out to you to get some get some one-on-one coaching? Yeah, so my Instagram is at forged by or sorry at forged dot by dot fire dot coaching ing at the end um and my website is www.forgedbyfirecoach.com so just coach in the website coaching for the instagram um yeah send me a message um through instagram or the website and we'll get started from there hook up a call and see if we're good connection and and yeah, I'd love to hear from, from the guys if they struggle with anything nice guy related or just need a bit, you know, of a, a push and a guide from, from someone else. Like I like to um, think I like to be, I want to be the coach that I wish I had when I was younger. So, you know, I've worked, I've been working with guys, you know, from kind of mid twenties all the way up to, you know, forties and early fifties, you know, so there's never there's not an age limit on it. Um, but yeah, if, if you, if you, anyone listening kind of resonates with those nice guy tendencies, yeah, please get in touch because yeah, there is, there is ways to, to help and break through and, you know, start that recovery process to get the things you want in life. Very good. And uh, where can they find uh, the food truck on Instagram? That way I'm um, a nice host and I don't interrupt you this time. I won't be rude whenever you <laughs> say that for sure. No, that's, that's okay. No problem at all. Um, that is um, at buffaloes.nz, B-U-F-F-A-L-O-S dot N-Z. Um, sorry, I forgot. I always, I've, I've gone to calling Z a Z half the time here, which is what they call it here. <laughs> and there's a funny yeah, thing I heard about the, the I heard truck. The, yeah. Um, it's funny. Like we talk about, you know, we talked about high school and stuff and actually like my dad had posted a comment on you know, I did a, a Facebook announcement or about the final final finals of this contest. And one my dad wrote, Oh, who would have thought that your first job working at Dairy Queen flipping burgers will lead to this? And it's like, yep, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Come full circle with the the burger flipping. I thought it was a job that had never helped me at all. But yes, that was I was wrong. You just never know what it'll lead to, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A little bit more advanced than I, my first, uh, you know, hourly job was McDonald's. So a little bit more advanced oh, yep. than just the, <laughs> the the frozen burgers going on the clamshell grill for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, one yeah. thing, one note I have, I don't want to let you go before we discuss this. I know you've uh, just looking at your website. You recently started the jujitsu journey. And oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We've still got we still got some time. So I don't want to let you go. Uh, before asking you how how you've enjoyed that and how you know i the biggest reason why i bring that up i've been doing jujitsu for about four and a half years now including about we had to take about nine months off with covid but Mm -hmm. that has helped my mindset when it comes to like the competition with other men that you 
talked about. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear how that journey has been for you so far. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, um, uh, let's see. Um, it was probably about when I was living in London. Um, I started, you know, at the gym, I did boxing with a, you know, they had boxing classes at this gym and then they had these MMA and kind of grappling classes. And I started there. Um, the, by, uh, the coach there was, he fought in the UFC. He's a French guy called just the Joker. Uh, I always get his last name wrong, but Liadine, Liadine, something like that. Um, just a crazy guy, but like super cool. Like, you know, he was, we became friends actually outside the gym because we both did a bit of acting, which is kind of another, another, mm -hmm. um, story of my life. But, um, yeah, so, um, we moved back to New Zealand when my, my wife found out that she was pregnant with the twins. And yeah, that kind of stopped my grappling and jujitsu and MMA boxing stuff. And that was only really about a year's worth and kind of off and on, nothing really formal as far as the jujitsu part of it. Um, but it's always something that kind of stuck in the back of my mind that I'd wanted to do. And um, we were here and my son turned five and we thought, oh, Bo, would, his name's Bo. Bo, would you be interested in doing jujitsu? And he called it, yeah, core jitsu. Yeah, I do core jitsu. So he just yeah, got the name <laughs> wrong. And so he went and he made it, he made it through the the warm-ups nearly. I think it was we were doing some like backwards rolls. Um, and he couldn't quite get it. And everybody was watching him because he was the last one then. And he just kind of yeah, got frustrated and ran off. And we thought, okay, he might be a bit young for now. So on his sixth birthday, we went back and yeah, we both started doing it. And um yeah, we both love it. So that was in January this year. Um, we've had one competition we did in probably June, July. So we both got second, both got silvers. Um, and then now, though, I think, though, between now and then, so at the tournament a few months ago, I've seen just a massive, massive improvement in, and probably our, both, both myself and him, but especially him. So we have another tournament coming up in a month. Um, so we're pretty stoked about that. But yeah, it was... Um, awesome to go against these guys and like you said like you thinking that these you know this competition but with jiu-jitsu you're you're choking someone out or you're trying to snap their arms not literally but you know choke them out or submit them and um going you know just putting everything you can into the into the grappling and the wrestling and stuff and then once you finish you know it's you give a you give a high five you give a hug and you know you're back chatting again on the on the sidelines so yeah, it's, it's a really kind of um, great sport in that sense where, you know, you're going as hard as you can in a brutal kind of manner. And then right after that, boom, you're back to being, being good friends and, and, and yeah, just the camaraderie and, you know, talking to the guys after, you know, they might've submitted you or you trying to submit them and something to go right. And they've noticed something. And then on the sidelines and after, I mean like, Oh, you should have done this, you know, do this next time. And just that kind of help and support back to back. You're not, they're trying to help you. Like I said before, you're building each other up. You're trying to help each other get better. It's not about, it doesn't matter if you submit somebody in training, you know, even in a tournament, like I got submitted, I got armbarred in the tournament in the finals. And um, yeah, then like five minutes later, I was talking to the guy and we were having a good talk and laughing and joking. It's not like I was on the sideline mad about it, you know, like your failures are what you learn from the most. And so you know, especially being the first tournament, it was awesome that I did get, I did win my first match ever, which was awesome. Um, but then yeah, losing in the, losing in the finals, there was about literally probably two seconds of disappointment. And I was almost disappointed mm -hmm. myself, like, Oh, why'd I do that? But it's almost like a joking, like you're like kind of laughing at yourself type of thing. So that's not too serious, but yeah, that whole journey. Um, and it's also another thing, like I, I exercise quite a bit and jujitsu is one of those things where, if I'm running or if I'm lifting weights, there's always something still going on in your head. Jiu-jitsu, when you're when you're rolling with somebody, there's nothing else going on. You're just trying to survive and in that in that battle at the moment. So it's really mind clearing and kind of almost like meditative as well, you know. So yeah, so we um, Bo and I are uh, both one stripe white belts now, which is awesome. That was a pretty proud moment me watching him get his mm -hmm. um, get his first stripe and and for myself too, getting my first one too. But yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, we love it. That's so awesome to hear. And it sounds like sounds like you've had a very, very similar journey to me of I went looking for a fun, different workout. And I go back now because of 
because of the guys that I'm around, the teammates that I'm mm-hmm. around. That is my socialization. That is a big major support group. Those are guys that have helped me with house projects and just asking questions of just like, hey, I know you do X, Y, Z for a living and I have this going on. You know, can you give me some direction? It's, it's exactly what you said of if you go for just to work out or just for martial arts, you're going to find something much, much more than that. So that's awesome yep. to hear just yep. about the, the yep. journey you've had. That's great. <laughs> uh, one of the, one of the, the big uh, jujitsu companies here in the U.S. is called Origin USA. They're 100% made in the U.S. Uh, geese, and they've, they've uh, moved on to, they're also doing a supplement line. They're doing uh, jeans and boots and the CEO of Origin, he uh, uh, says pretty frequently that jujitsu is just the melting pot of America and the world. You get anyone from any background, any profession, you're going to find them in a jujitsu studio. So that's that's awesome to hear that that is going so yeah. well. And congratulations to to Bo on his first stripe. That's a huge <laughs> accomplishment. That's a great and yeah, to yeah. you as well. Yeah, Thank that you. is Thank great. You. I. I've gotten to where I I don't like getting stripes because it's like oh that just means that the the expectations keep going up. So, yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, but that's it's, true. Um, that's true as well. It's, yeah. So well, awesome man. This has been a great conversation, Alex. Thank you so much for for taking the time. I appreciate it. I think this will be a great uh, great podcast. We'll get websites, Instagram linked up, uh, and um, and I appreciate you coming on. And if you can just hang tight. We'll we'll wrap up uh, offline. Awesome. Thanks, Stuart. I really appreciate it. And yeah, look forward to look forward to talking to you again in our follow up. And uh, oh, we'll hope we talk again before that. But yeah, definitely get on in a, a year or so to see how we're see how we're tracking. That's exactly right. Whenever <laughs> after we get wrapped up online, I'm going to put a uh, uh, offline. I'm going to put a reminder on the phone and reach out to you in about a year so we can hear about uh, here. I can tell you on how how I've been doing on my LLC and we can hear how Buffalo's is doing, too, for sure. Awesome, Stuart. All right, great. Just hang tight. Okay, thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sheepdog Dad podcast. Thanks especially to our guest, Alex Moore, from Forged by Fire Coaching. You can find Alex online at his website, forgedbyfirecoach.com. You can also find him on Instagram at forged.by.fire.coaching. You can also find his Buffalo's food truck, at buffaloes.nz. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star rating and review and sign up for our upcoming newsletter. Visit thesheepdogdad.com for more topics such as this and to sign up for our exclusive coaching service, Protect the Flock. Visit originusa.com and support American jobs and American manufacturing. That is O-R-I-G-I-N-U-S-A.com and support American jobs and American manufacturing. Origin USA manufactures 100% made in America jiu-jitsu apparel such as geese and rash guards and they also manufacture jeans, boots, hoodies, hunt line and their supplements from their Jocko fuel line and more. Use the code JACKSON10 for 10% off all orders. That is J-A-C-K-S-O-N-1-0 for 10% off all orders at originusa.com. Until next time, keep your head on a swivel.